Hello, and welcome to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan, and I am an alcoholic. <clears throat> Today is a, another solo episode of the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. Um, today is April 20th. It's 420, baby! Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Um, <laughs> I am recording today's episode a couple days before my um, 11-year sobriety birthday anniversary um and i'm recording it ahead of time uh partly because i i don't want to put i don't want to put the pressure on myself of recording on that day just because i don't know sometimes if i'm not feeling it then i'm not feeling it and then it's a bummer um or i record it 17 times and then never release them or whatever and uh i don't know i'm, I'm hoping to actually have something interesting slash useful slash worthwhile to uh put up on my birthday and um you know i mean i i i base that off of the fact that i i began recording for this podcast um almost exactly 10 years or one year ago today on my 10 year uh anniversary um and uh that episode is garbage and i never planned plan to and will not ever release it. I'm not sure if I still even have that episode zero um, in existence on my hard drive anywhere. But, um, you know, the lesson from that is I don't want to put pressure on myself to produce um, based off of that kind of an arbitrary setting, right? Like it's interesting and important to me, my 11th birthday, <clears throat> my sobriety birthday, um, but it's still an arbitrary goal for releasing this podcast, even though it's about sobriety. So yeah, there you have it. Um, and, um, <clears throat> I guess I, you know, as with all of these, um, social isolation episodes that I've produced, or I guess only a couple of them, um, I'm immediately at a loss, uh, because, not walking around in the world so much, you know, just like the rest of us. There's there's not a lot of <clears throat> interesting shit happening, I guess is the way to summarize it, right? I'm I'm spending a great deal of time in my house, in my room. Um and um up in my head, I guess is a way to put it. I'm sure a lot of us are up in our heads and and I mean there's a little bit of fodder there for you know, subject to talk about from a sobriety standpoint, but for on the whole, the notion of how difficult it is to remain sober in an isolated state, how potentially triggering it is to be away from other people and away from the accountability, even implied or understood or, or personally intended accountability of being around other people in meetings or just in, in, in the world in general, like all of that is a struggle. It's a struggle for normal people, you know, people who aren't alcoholics or drug addicts, you know, they're, they're struggling to keep their sanity air quotes. And, uh, we get to have the, the double, <clears throat> 
issue of trying to maintain that same level of air quotes sanity and infused in that coupled with that driving that is the need to stay sober and I'm experiencing that I assume if you're listening to this at or near the release date you're experiencing it and it is a significant thing I've spoken about it already I'm not excited about spending a great deal of time going over it anymore so that's another reason why you know it's another reason why I'm not like sure about producing this podcast other right now other than in my head I I I've built up the idea of producing a podcast on my birthday or you know asterisk around my birthday as an important thing to do um and I'll say this similar to my last solo episode the episode from Easter um I'm doing uh on the whole I'm doing well um I I think had I spent time thinking ahead back when you know the physical distancing the isolation began for me uh which was they sent me home from work uh, they sent us all home. They, they emptied our, our offices on uh, Friday, March 13th. So I've been home, you know, working from home. And with the exception of, you know, necessity visits to wherever, grocery store, gas station, that kind of thing, I've just been home, right? And, you know, wandering around the neighborhood or whatever, but just been home. Um, and had I thought at, you know, March 20th or whatever that uh, this might continue into my sobriety date April 22nd for those of you keeping track uh at that time and you know a month and month you know it's five weeks ago or whatever if I had contemplated future trips started worrying about what I would be like having to go through the the uh ensuing five six weeks leading into this week leading into this sobriety date I think at that time I would have just by default been nervous I would have I would have been uncomfortable with what that would mean to me I would have been uncomfortable with where I would be emotionally and psychologically at this point in time had I started worrying about it um or no I'm not even sure if that would have been because I was worried about it I feel like had I contemplated it I would have become worried about it it would it would strike me as something to be paid attention to if not alarmed about and I may have spent a bunch of time journaling about it contemplating what it might look like I I don't know just the the kind of things I do to walk my way out of future tripping and, and settle myself down calm down about things that are agitating me especially things that are unknown in the future right and and the point of all that is to say that had I worried about it I would have been hesitant to believe I'd be as calm right now as I am. Um, and I don't I don't recall if I covered this or talked about this during the Easter episode or if it was shit that crossed my mind after I, you know, wrapped it up, edited it, and put it out. Um, but part of me is uncomfortable talking into this microphone and putting together a podcast that I'm going to 
produce and upload and, and send out to all four of you who listen to this regularly and anyone else out there who might stumble upon it or have it forwarded to them or whatever. I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about how I'm doing okay. Um, and I don't know what that is other than, I suppose, well, there's a couple of reasons, I guess, but, but one of them is, you know, I've spent, <laughs> I spent probably too much time on this podcast only grabbing the mic, only recording my thoughts and going into whatever's going on in my head and in, in my, you know, in, in my time of life as I'm, I'm grabbing the microphone to record, um, has been predominantly when I'm feeling a little down, when I'm feeling, I don't know, existential dread and malaise and, and just not doing great. And I've, I've, you know, I've come to equate or at least correlate what I put out, what people are interested in hearing about from me about, you know, air quotes, fun and sobriety with when I'm, when I'm not doing great, right? Like it's somehow become this default that I need to relate to people by letting them know that, Hey, I'm, I'm bummed out too. Things get to me too. Um, exclusively, I guess. I mean, that is important. It is important to provide uh, honest. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be as honest as I can with this podcast and it's, it's important to be honest when I'm feeling low. And, and I guess that's my point is I've only really taken the effort, made the, made the effort, taken the time when I've been feeling low. And now I feel hesitant to make the same effort and take the time when I'm not feeling so low. Um, and that's stupid. I register and that's part of why I just bit the bullet and hit record and started rambling as I have been for the last, I don't know, four minutes. God damn it. It's only been four minutes. <laughs> um, and I guess part of <laughs> the other reason why it's, I'm, you know, hesitant to, to say, Oh no, I'm doing great. You guys, I'm doing fine. Everything's fine. And everything's not fine, obviously, but or maybe not obviously, but I, obvious to me because nothing is ever, everything is this or everything is that. So just by virtue of saying everything is fine, I'm intentionally being ridiculous. Um, and that's as ridiculous as Mr. Science Guy gets. Um, but I guess that's fed from at least the symbol in my head, the 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 the, the metaphor that's held in my head as I think about what that means from a um, general 12-step program, group program, uh, uh, people that you meet in those sorts of environments. Uh, I hold an, a, a, a picture, a symbol of the, um, what do you, what do you want to say? Someone who doesn't quite believe what you're saying, right? Like the, the I, I think, you know, I, I've experienced that through my, almost 11 years in sobriety where if you run into somebody and you know, they're like, Hey, how you doing? And you're like, I'm, I'm doing really good. There's a certain subset of people who maybe they're just reflecting their own inner turmoil who will look at you sideways. If you say that in a, in a room full of alcohol and drug addicts, because there's just this, I, I guess it's, it's rational or at least it's earned to have that uh, uh, skepticism that someone who's standing in one of those rooms grabbing a cup of that shitty coffee and maybe a, a gross biscuit of some kind uh, uh, is 
you know, perhaps fooling themselves when they're like, no, I'm doing great. I'm like, yeah, are you though? Because I've gotten that of like, it's okay if you're not. I'm like, yeah, bruh, I, I get it. I'm, 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 it's one of those, right? Like, you don't know who's fooling themselves. And, and often if you're, um, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. If you're finding your way to some of those meetings some of the time, you're, you're, you may not be doing all right. And who knows? Maybe I had a sour look on my face because I was thinking of something that wasn't in the moment. And the guy was asking me because he was genuinely concerned. And so when I turned on a dime, he was like, mm, maybe you and I should talk. <laughs> but I guess all of that's just an anecdote. But it does feed my... Mm, I don't know, resistance or reluctance to speak into this thing when things are going okay, because I don't want that general idea of, oh, shit, Dylan's just, uh, he's not, he doesn't want to face something, he doesn't want to talk about something, because, I don't know, I feel like I've made it pretty clear that (sighs) there's a pretty broad swath of things that I'm willing to talk about on here that... (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people shouldn't or wouldn't feel that way. Maybe I shouldn't feel that way. I don't, I don't know. Um, but uh, I've been more candid than uh, I think I would have signed up for had I really thought ahead and realized what I was going to do with this podcast, at least what I've done so far. Um, yeah, 11 years. Um, and I, and I, did, I did mention this in the last episode. And I think I've, I mentioned it before. I, I, you know, when I look back on who I was, I mean, when I look back on who I was 12, 13 years ago, like in the middle of, you know, the wind up to the real fall, I don't at all recognize myself. I don't, I don't, I don't see myself in there. I don't see, I don't see Dylan. I don't know, that is a interesting, if not bizarre, sensation. <sighs> but it's it's true, you know, and, and I guess that's part of the, just taking it one day at a time, right? Like there's, there was no concept of what I would become. I mean, there is no, there is no rolling of dice. There's no magic. The gathering cards. I don't. I don't know if that's the right reference. I. There is no random future generator idea that would have predicted what I've what I've experienced in the last eleven years. Like what what happened to me? What happened to my life? What happened to my family? You know, twelve years ago, the idea that I'd be standing where I am right now doing what I'm doing in my life, raising my children the way I'm raising them, the roof over my head, the the towels on my tower, like the art on my walls, like everything would be completely foreign and unbelievable. Um and yet here I am, right? And I, I, I got here one fucking day at a time, one hour at a time. I, I walked my way down that fucking wreck, you know. I, I drank my fucking life away. And I'm not being hyperbolic there. That life I had, 
I drank it away, you know, and, and I don't know, I, I've been considering more of my side of the, the, the street in all of that over the last year or so. I mean, that not to imply that I never, or was, you know, was, was, um, soft pedaling my contribution to the destruction that I wrought, not, not, not by any stretch, just, I've just been thinking more deeply about the impact to my family and, and the impact to my world around me more than just what I was able to consider in the last 11 years, right? Like looking back, I mean, maybe this is something that comes with sobriety. Maybe this is just something that comes with, with, you know, becoming more comfortable looking at uncomfortable shit in your past, in my past that has, I'm associating with sobriety. It's just with emotional growth, with emotional sobriety. I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think six years ago, five years ago, I would have been capable of even considering some of the ramifications of my behavior and the impact that they had upon the people who loved me and who I loved in the same way that I'm, I'm beginning to contemplate them here. And, and I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to sully what I'm contemplating right now, what I've been journaling about by talking about it prematurely here. Um, but I, I, I all I want to say or all, all I'm getting at is, is, you know, there's, there's layers, right? Like it's progress, not perfection is, is the, 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 the mantra. Um, and you know, you never stop progress, right? That's the point. Progress just keeps progressing. And I, you know, there's a reason why five or six years ago I, I wasn't able to consider, some of the emotional impact of what I'm only now being cautiously, um, um, only that I'm now cautiously contemplating, I guess. Um, and I, gosh, I hate talking so elusively, but you know, I mean, I fucked up, I fucked up the love that I had in my life, right? I fucked up the family that I had. Um, or at least the family unit, the the the, the way it was structured and, and the way we were comfortable in, you know, I fucked all that up. Um, and maybe fucking it up, I shouldn't be using that expression, right? I, I was a damaged, damaged person and wasn't capable of understanding, <sighs> I wasn't capable of understanding, like, more than the barest root of an idea about myself. Right? That's part of why I look back and I can barely recognize who that person is. I, I don't know. Maybe some of that's just youth and maturity, you know, maturing from youth. I mean, I, I suspect we all look back at our 20-something-year-old selves, our 30-something-year-old selves, and, you know, some aspects want to kind of grab ourselves by the collar and shake us a little bit and be like, what are you doing? Think what you're doing contemplate the ramifications of what you're about to say or do, right? Like, you know, probably everyone has that. And then those of us who are blessed with addiction get to, get to embody that 
idiocy or, or lunacy or, or not terrific reactionary behavior in a way that very often just kind of blows everything up. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't live like that. I don't, I don't live, I don't live in a non-contemplated way anymore, right? And, and when I do, you know, look up one day and, you know, the hot water hits my hair and certain thought crosses my mind and I realize, hey, I haven't, I haven't been paying attention. I haven't been present as much as uh, I want to be. I haven't been as present in my day-to-day existence, my day-to-day life as, as I am comfortable being like, you know, when, when, you know, the, the, the stretches of time between when I am feeling actively present, when I am, you know, connected to myself, to my life, to my world, the time between feeling that and then recognizing that I haven't been feeling that, you know, that, that becomes contracted, you know, the, the, the awareness becomes instinctive, um, you know, and that's the, that's the way that I would say the God awareness, the awareness of God that, that, that is spoken about in 12 steps, right? Like that's the, the spiritual awakening. Um, that's, that's how it manifests for me. That's the way it is for me. And I've spoken about this before too, right? Spirituality is a connection to the universe and framed through the prism of a religious-based God or some cobbled-together version of such a, of a, a religious God or, or whatever it manifests for God, God, God people, it is that same thing, that spiritual connection to the universe, right? I just don't really see a purpose for a second party there. I don't, I don't know how else to put that, right? Like there is no separation between me and the universe. Every thought I have, every emotion I feel, every breath I take, every, you know, physical ailment and and joyful, pleasurable thing. All of it is just me and my experience. And all of that is the universe. And I don't know, it's kind of the entire sum total of the universe. If you think about it, because there is no other manner in which I am going to experience anything having to do with the, the universe throughout my entire existence that doesn't come through the prism of me and my consciousness. So separating my consciousness and that awareness from the universe is a false principle or whatever, false perspective. There is no separation. There is no separation between me and my consciousness. And and that's when I'm aware of that, when that, that makes me feel present. That makes me appreciate every breath when I'm really, really feeling it, you guys, but at least appreciate every moment, you know, can catch a glimpse of something interesting on the side of the road at a, at a stoplight, right? That, if I'm not present, I'm off in daydream land and, you know, whatever. And I'm rambling about that because that's, I guess, I guess it's, maybe that's, you know, the unexpected bonus of being so isolated, being so 
stuck in this situation that we're in right now, you know, physically distanced from one another and expected to, you know, go out as minimally as possible and definitely avoid going into groups of strangers where you have to interact and be within six feet of each other, you know, keep that stuff to a minimum. Um, you know, it just leads us to be just like, I'm just going to stay here. It's too fucking stressful. I'm just going to stay here. Right. Like, and then an unexpected bonus of that is, is being able to simplify my life. Right. Like that, that was, that was what I thought of, uh, one of the gifts of going to a rehab center and being cocooned from the rest of the world for 28 days so that I could just focus on my recovery, focus on the spiritual moments present in every moment, in the the spirituality of everyday moments, right? Like, and and yeah, I went I went overboard or, or whatever. I, I intentionally let myself go to an extent that I knew was a little bit beyond uh, uh, at least a livable, workable level of like reading into interactions with people and and random, you know, like oh I saw a flower out in the out on the the field today and it it showed up in my vision just as I was thinking about blah 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 and, and you know drawing deep meaningful connections from things that. I don't know, day-to-day living, you're bound to pass up. And, you know, there's there's a reason that we don't process a significant amount of the information that comes into our brains because we'd go crazy, right? We wouldn't be able to concentrate on anything if we were catching everything. And, and the point being, maybe this seclusion that, that I've been, I've been in, that we've all been in to some extent, has enabled me to just kind of find that default setting again of like staying calm, appreciating the the small moments in a way that I had kind of not even thought about in a while. Right. Like I, I really, you know, I'll, I'll catch myself wanting to be grateful for, you know, a gratitude idea, the idea of being gra- having gratitude for the little things in my life, the positive things that are happening. Right. Like, I I have spent a great deal of time the last two weeks like being almost sappy levels of grateful for the amount of time I'm getting to spend with my two youngest children, right? Like, we're all just here in the house. And I didn't get to experience that with my, my father, right? There was never a time where we were forced to be on top of each other in the house for weeks and weeks at a stretch, you know, and and without an ability to go for me to go fuck off and hang out with my friends or for him to go fuck off and hang up, hang with his friends. And I mean, and that's not to imply that there wasn't a loving and nurturing and wonderful environment. It just, it just passed, right? The years pass and, and you look back and you're like, Oh yeah, you know, that was, you know, that was, that was the teenage years or whatever. And, for however long this lasts, we're always going to be able to look back and go, hey, remember when we got to just kind of hang out? Remember when, like, we would just sit and, I don't know, jibber-jabber together because we were just there? And remember how annoying I was and how you just kept rolling your eyes at me? Gosh, I miss those days, right? 
and you know, my, my, my QT manifests in like stupid shit, right? Like we like to get together and watch funny or whatever, generally funny, you know, TV shows or, or episodes of shows or, you know, there's endless numbers of movies I'm trying to get my kids to see. So, you know, in the middle of this, like, they're a little bit more open to being like, yeah, sure, let's let's watch that movie we've been threatening to watch with you for three years, right? Like, and same with me. Like, I, I, I'll, I'll <laughs> I sat down and watched a couple of films that probably wouldn't have taken the time or would have been more extended for me to get there to a point where I was like, yeah, let's do that right now. And hell, just the, the idea of having food with them on a more regular basis because shocker you guys my house is not a sit down at the dinner table kind of house it's a did you remember to eat okay get yourself some of this make sure you get some some of this in your stomach before bed kind of house right i don't know that's just the way i live that's the way that's kind of the way i was grown up right so there's no um expectation of formality here and so this forced isolation has for me at least I, I i can't speak for the kids they 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 do appreciate they do um you know they're, they're good kids they they they're they're not poopy bottom-faced mon- monkeys who sulk all the time in the middle of this that would be insufferable they're just teenagers and It's been again I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought of this ahead of time but it's been unexpectedly pleasant to see them here all the time and be able to grab them and give them a hug and you know I don't know just spend this time because again like I I have this feeling that in like 10 years and 20 years there'll be parts of me there'll be parts of the day at some point in the future where I'll like be coming just you know waking up just coming out of out of sleep and part of me will still feel like I'm living in this time in this in these last few weeks like part of me will always feel like I'm still here you know I'll have I don't know moments in the shower well where to just feel like this same period of life in a future point, right? And I appreciate that, you know? I'm not... Even even the downside and dread, you know, that's, that's the, the way our brains work. We forget about a lot of the negative shit and just remember some of the good shit. That's why we get nostalgic for periods in our lives where when we lived through them, they were fucking trash, <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just being future nostalgic and that's some special malady that I've never heard of. I don't know. But yeah. 11 years. I'm not going to not going to sugarcoat it either, right? Everything in my life. Everything. I owe to my sobriety, to my recovery. I I was not going to make it. I was not going to be able to have anything that resembles a livable condition had I continued 
had I continued to live like that, even if I had managed to trump up my willpower and really, really get my self-control under, under, under me and like put down the drink and just once again, like I had done in 2000, right? In 2000, I, I put down the drink, I stopped drinking and I, and I just, I didn't do anything. I just no longer drank and that was it. And I was, I was sober guy, right? Like that is how I, um, embodied the idea of me. Right. Like I, I was Dylan used to drink. Oh yeah, I'm Dylan. I used to drink. And, um, if I would have somehow been able to do that in 2008 or well, 2009, I guess 2008 was when it really started to fall apart and I kept trying. So anywhere in there before I got sober, sober, if, if any of those, I had been able to really just put my foot down or whatever the fucking symbolist symbolic idea is and just grip the undercarriage of my seat and just stop drinking again and just don't do that. And then move forward with my life just as a non-drinker again and try to stitch together some patch together the the relationships that I had at the time and and you know the the work and the and all of the 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 world that I don't even register as being me you know the world that I lived in and I don't even register who I was at that time if I would somehow manage to remove the alcohol and then cobble together some semblance of an existence I my life I it would have been still trash I, I, I would have been so unhappy because I was so unhappy, right? Like that's the thing is I was so unhappy and I, I had no tools to, you know, no emotional ability, no tools to, to face it and to, you know, do something about it, um, or even scratch the surface of what it might mean to face it and do something about it. I just, I just drank, right? I just avoided it. I avoided it, and that's what it would have been. I would have just continued to avoid it. I would have continued to avoid what the fuck was going on inside of me. And maybe I'd have had some growth. I mean, you know, we, we're bound to grow a little bit over time if we have something happen to us, but it would be nothing like it is today. And yeah, I'm not claiming that my life is some super excellent thing that people should envy or is even worth I don't know promoting as some something that everybody should strive for but for me my I walk around in my body and I feel like one person and I I spent I don't know Embarrassing, well, maybe embarrassing is too judgmental of a word. I spent an extreme amount of time, most of my life prior to getting sober, not feeling like one person. I felt like there was the person I presented to the world and the person who was inside of me. And those two had to be divergent because the, the out-to-the-world person had to fit some level of expectations that probably weren't even there. There were expectations that I had decided were on me, that I had decided other people had put on me, you know, just 
an expectation of like what I was supposed to do. I, I don't even know. I don't even know, right? Like it, it was just a a loose thing that I just could tell the difference. And it was this like knee jerk need to keep the actual me sort of hidden. And, uh, you know, that <laughs> I suppose part of it is, is just that I, I, I could tell early on that the way I drank, the way I used drugs, you know, I, I guess cause like in my early twenties, my late teens, that separation wasn't there. I mean, I was also just kind of a dick and I just kind of leaned into what it meant to be kind of a, you know, a Bukowski emulating drunken asshole, especially <laughs> a real asshole. Cause I was only like 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever, like 20 year old emulating Bukowski. There's few things that are more insufferable than that. And that was part of it is like part of me always knew mm, this isn't quite right. This isn't quite right. So I, I built into this idea of becoming someone different and grabbing onto it in some false way that I did, grabbing onto this notion of becoming someone different and then going down that path uncontemplated and uninspected, right? I didn't spend time thinking about what I was doing. I just kind of did it. And as the idea that I wasn't, living exactly the way I wanted to and wasn't doing the things that I thought I should be doing or that I could feel something wasn't right. Like I'm putting all this in, in hindsight because I'm, you know, fucking almost 50 years old. So I can look back on things that were going on back then with a different light than was when I lived them. Right. The different view, but the undercurrent of feeling separated from the outside person and the inside person that was real and that was there I'm not putting that in there I, I recall that feeling I recall drinking that feeling away right I recall hours contemplating the concept of that while trying to avoid the concept of that on, on LSD <laughs> right I, I didn't feel like myself and as I transitioned into adulthood and responsibilities and all of the things that just built on me and built on me. And had I not found recovery in, in sobriety, you know, I'd still be scratching the surface of what it meant to be me. And, um, you know, recovery the gift of recovery is that I'm no longer scratching that surface. I'm, I'm, I'm capable of facing who I am, who I was, what I've done in a way that is consistently not judgmental, is consistently kind to myself, not, you know, not, not making excuses for myself, but is still kind to myself. And, um, I continue to do that in, into my recovery years in, right? 11 years in, it's just the ability to do that has grown little by little, day by day, you know, journal entry by journal entry, conversation by conversation, you know, experience by experience, like awareness of my surroundings by ongoing awareness of my presence in my own life. And that's... Again, that's I wouldn't I wouldn't have any idea what that was 
if I hadn't found sobriety, if I hadn't found recovery, if I hadn't embraced it. And you know, I'm not special. I, I you know, I, I did the deal, right? Like I, I grabbed onto the program because the program was there and it, and it was presented as something that could work. And I'd seen people who seemed genuine, who seemed real, who seemed vulnerable, and it was working for them. So why couldn't it work for me? Why, why couldn't I just get out of my own fucking way and, and, and work it, right? And that's, that's what I did. But he, he, the basics are effectively that I got out of my own way and I humbled myself, by which I mean I let my ego down, I let the, the mask down, I let my guard down, and I faced who I was and what I had done and I faced the concept and the prospect that I wasn't the best master of my life. That as much as it, trying to be independent and in control, you know, which I, to some extent I think we all feel like that's part of what we're supposed to do as we mature out of childhood. And, and it gets warped into some concept that we're going to be any good at it, that we're going to actually succeed at it. I, I don't even know how to put it because it's it's such an inane idea now that I'm looking at it from the other side. You know, and, and, and I used the program to get there. I used the steps. I used the um, the big book. I, you know, I, I did those things. But that's just me, you know, and it's a lot of people, but there's a lot more people who, who don't. And... and I don't know, I'm not going to preach, but whatever whatever you need to do to find recovery, to, to get sober, you know, if, if, if it doesn't involve changing your perspective on more or less everything, it may not work out, right? It may just be no more significant than clutching the bottom of the chair and keeping your hands away from the drink or the drug, right? Um, and whatever. I, I, I wouldn't claim to be even remotely good at the program, but I used it and I continue to use it to the best of my abilities and in, and in a format that fits my sensibilities. You know, and, and again, it's it's progress, not perfection, you guys. And all of that's to say that recovery is life. My life is because of my recovery. And I'm sitting on 11 years, and it feels terrific. I feel good. Um, <laughs> like I said, I'm recording this a couple days in advance, so... Probably for sure within the next 48 hours, I'm going to have existential dread and I'm going to be laying face down on my bed at four in the morning when acid reflux wakes me up or something and be like, oh, I'm not doing okay. <laughs> but right now, I'm doing okay. And uh, just like my last one, my last podcast, you know, it's okay to be doing okay. I uh, Life is acceptable and my my 
position within myself, I feel comfortable in my skin. And God damn, that's a gift to feel comfortable in, in your skin, especially in the middle of all this, right? Like I'm, I'm agitated by not being able to go out and just do shit. I'm agitated by my work. And yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm very grateful that my job has been able to be maintained the way it has. But it is bonkers, bullshit, stupid, and I can't stand having to do it, right? Both things are simultaneously true. But even still, I am doing all right. Um, so um, I expect every single one of you who listens to this to reach out and tell me happy birthday. And if you don't, then you're dead to me. Um, but other than that, I really hope that you uh, are having an acceptable time right now and that you're doing all right. And if you're not doing all right, if you're not feeling comfortable, if you're struggling with your sobriety, please, please do reach out. Reach out to me. Reach out to anyone. Reach out to a friend, even if they're not a sober friend. Although those are not probably the best to help you if you're struggling with sobriety. But reach out. Don't, don't get up in your head. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith that you can make it or I shouldn't say don't, you know, you you can make it. And I'm here. I may not be your first call, but someone, you may know someone and reach out to that person. If you're afraid to call them, call them anywhere. If you're afraid to text them, text them anyway. Because the other part of that, you know, as wonderful as my recovery is and it's all that flowery nonsense I just laid out for you guys, there's been times, especially early in, where just staying sober through that fucking uncomfortable minute, through the agitations, just staying sober for that day was all I could do. And I wouldn't be here today, where I'm at right now, if I hadn't made it through those moments and put together another moment and another one. And, 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 and my point is, is you can do it. You can do it. Reach out to somebody. And if you can't reach out to somebody, if somebody won't respond or whatever, take a deep breath. And remember, if you don't drink, you will not get drunk. There could be nothing more true than that. Um, anyway, I really appreciate you guys, and uh, thank you so much for listening. And... Um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day.